Moms, I know divorce can be really messy, but selling your engagement ring can actually be quick, easy, and stress-free with Worthy. Worthy uses their expertise, technology, and connections to get you the absolute most for your jewelry with no hidden fees. Plus, just for my audience, Worthy gave me a special offer to share. When you sell your jewelry through Worthy, you'll receive a $100 Amazon gift card when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. Ready to move on from your ring? Head to worthy.com slash moms to get started today. That's worthy.com slash moms for the special bonus offer. This week on Moms Moving On. Being a parent and being responsible for a person who's not going to be a child forever and having to deal with that and also deal with another person in combination with that, that to me was the hard part. You know, like two people showing up from two vastly different worlds and then showing up now even more differently because you're a parent. And what does that look like when you're trying to raise a human? Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Thank you, everybody, for being here. I am so excited to introduce you to new friend, Joel Leon. He is a performer, author, and storyteller, and he put on a TED Talk recently that floored me that I've used in so many of my workshops and trainings that brought me to tears and that made both me and my assistant decide we we got to get this guy on the show. Joel, thank you so much for being here. No, it's my, it's my absolute pleasure. Um, Sean, thank you. Th- thank you for that love. Um, yeah, this, this is dope. It's cool, cool for us to sit down and have this convo. I agree because co-parenting from a father's perspective, which is, you know, you, you provide, you've shown you shined a very bright light on that in your TED talk. And I'll get to that in a second, but we don't get to often hear so much from what it feels like to be a dad who's come out of a broken marriage, who's just trying his best to co-parent against, you know, how hurt and angry his former spouse might be or former partner. Um, But before we go into all that, I want to say that I don't know because you're a creator and you're a writer and I'm also in that space. I don't know if when you're creating the work, you realize the impact it's going to have, you know, like sometimes people will reach out to me and they'll say, Oh my God, that, that episode or that article, you changed my life. Your Ted talk was one of those for so many people. And I just, I wonder if like you even know that because you need to know that. I mean, again, Michelle, thank you so much. Um, You know, and, and and just for those who listen to that is West, my two-year-old in the background. Why are you yelling? Stop. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We also it's also our dog in the background. Um, you know, I, I'm not really I, I don't I try not to get too hyped about like numbers, you know. Um, so I say I I say that by like I wanted to preface this by also saying like the TED Talk now currently is at a, is at about uh I think like 1.6 million views. And um so like if we're thinking about it from a metrics point of view, like I can physically see um, the impact, but I think it's interesting. It's interesting. And I say that because I think there's a tendency for people to think that 
the TED talk had a lot um had a lot more traction for me than I than than it actually did. Like hearing you say that means so much to me because I didn't get a lot of actual responses, if I'm being mm-hmm. fair. Um and like it's and I think partially is because I never I didn't want to become a dad influencer. You feel me? Like right. I wasn't I wasn't doing the thing in order to be like, okay, well now this is in like not a knock on anybody. But this wasn't a thing that I did to then say, okay, I'm going to make this my brand, if you will. Like, and so now I'm going to be on every single dad show or every single parenting show talking about it. I the TED team reached out to me. And granted, I've been I'd been wanting to give a TED talk. And the TED talk I wanted to give was about art. Like I wanted to talk about art, like black man coming coming from the hood talking about like how the art how arts and, and the performing arts specifically like shape shaped shift to change my life whatever and um Helen Waters beautiful human being um um one of the head editors on on, on the TED team she actually messaged me on Twitter the day my, my partner Bri and I were coming from an ultrasound for my second child West and her first child and I went into my Twitter mentions and it was like hey Joelle this is Helen from TED um, would love to see you be open to giving a TED talk. Like that was what the message said. And it was like, it, I started dancing. It was what I, I was right, wild. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it, it, they reached out to me because they wanted me to give a talk about fatherhood because I've been specifically black fatherhood. Cause I've been writing about fatherhood for some time. Lila now was seven and I was doing a lot of writing, not necessarily about co-parenting, but about my fears, my, my, um, my confusion, all, all the things that I think parents think about um, when it comes to like having their first child. And so I was writing deliberately and intentionally about that. But when they reached out to me, I was like, I don't want to talk about black fatherhood. I think a, because for those who are not aware, single black fathers make up a large percentile of the fathers who are actually showing up actively for their children. Mm-hmm. Um, data, data proves it. And so like, I didn't want to have a conversation about something that I knew was the truth. What I did want to have a conversation about was something that I felt like I wasn't hearing enough about it. And it was co-parenting after a separation and not like a divorce, but like a separation. This person and I met each other. We liked each other. We dated. And then all of a sudden we had a child, you know, right. like that was the thing. And so right. having that be a part of it, it was like, okay, I want to have a conversation that um, illuminates that for me and also gives me guidance. Cause I was looking, I was looking yeah. for conversations about it. I was looking for blogs about it. There was like one blog I'd found from some dude who was based out in Canada who had been writing about co-parenting long distance. And even that, it felt, it didn't feel nuanced enough. And like, I needed nuance. I live in nuance. Like I like everything has context. And so the talk for me was my opportunity to like, hopefully give somebody else the space to see like, oh, this is possible. It's hard, <laughs> incredibly well, difficult. The title, you know? the title was perfect. It's the, yeah. for those of you who don't know, it's called the beautiful hard work of co-parenting. And you know, me, I'm as a, as a woman, as a mom, I'm talking about it all day long, but mm-hmm. you don't, we've ne- what I always ask my clients to do in my community to do is take a step back and put themselves in their ex spouse's shoes. If they're in a hetero, hetero relationship and it's a male who they're divorcing or separating from, how might that feel for dad to now be like sort of ousted because the children are young and mom always did 99% of the feeding or the nurturing. And now there's this idea of like, not only, you know, is do the parents have to separate, but dad's ego is threatened a little bit by like, well, I'm just going to take care of the kids and you can see them, you know, when I say it's okay. And so I always ask people to take a step back and look at it from that perspective, because when we don't give people a chance, they can't rise to the occasion. 
And I want, I want to hear, I'm not, I'm going to stop talking because I, your voice is so soothing and I want people to hear your, your backgrounds and, and your philosophy on co-parenting, I guess. Well, I mean, and, and thank you for sharing what you shared, Michelle, because I think that it's important. I, I feel like um, empathy and compassion are, have been two of the biggest motivators, motivators for me anyway, with like the work I do with the art that I make. And I think, you know, um, something I had read um, from 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 my um, good friend Sharon Salzberg, phenomenal um, mindfulness practitioner. Um, she had interviewed someone, um, a Buddhist practitioner, who was sharing. They were sharing their thoughts on empathy and compassion, and, and what they said was, "Compassion is empathy in action." Right, and like that was a really like a gear shift for me because um, then it, it meant it's not just enough to feel and like really be able to um, mirror an experience and say, oh, like, I understand that. But what am I, what are the tangible actions I'm taking in order to move that forward? And so co-parenting for me was an exercise in that, you know, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to be 40 in January. And so there's just been a lot of sitting with what legacy looks like. And I feel like as men, especially as black men, there's a lot of conversations about legacy, which is why, you know, there's that those conversations about like, I want to make sure I have boys or like some of, I think the more outdated um, ideas and, and, but like legacy for me is like, what, what am I leaving behind for my children? And also too, just as importantly, what am I leaving behind for my community? Um, and so my art practice is very much centered around community and it's, you know, whether it's me, doing a spoken word piece, whether it's me writing an essay, whether it's me um, writing a song, whether it's me rapping on stage, acting, it's it, art for me it has been medicinal and art is also, I think, a catalyst for change and for growth. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've treated even co-parenting, I think. And I think parenting, parenting is a very creative process. Um, and especially if you're a, a stay-at-home parent, especially yeah. if you're a stay-at-home mom. And I think when I, I say that to say, like when I think about Kimberly Crenshaw and I think about intersectionality, what we're talking about is not just, oh, I'm a woman, but I am a white woman or a black woman who grew up this way. And this is the city I live in. Like there's so many intersections that affect our, the, the, the chosen direction we lean into as parents. And I think mm -hmm. we need to give, I say all that to go back to your original point of like giving people a chance. I think if we're not looking at the context of which a person was um, reared, and like how that trauma and like their projections affect how they show up in the world. Yeah. We're missing an opportunity for growth. Yes. For sure. Yes. And this is, and you talk about empathy. My whole thing is, you know, empathy, not sympathy, right? Like we can not pity somebody, but we can feel for them and what they've experienced and understand life through their lens so that we can co-parent. So, you know, you have to do it in a marriage anyway. We're all coming from different places and different experiences. And so I think, there's a really evolved set of people who understand co-parenting from that perspective, and you're one of them. And I and I love that about you. And I think and thank and again, Michelle, thank you. And and I you're think welcome. too, I mean, I think what bothers me the most too is like I'll have conversations with folks. Cause even now, Bria and I, who's my now partner, we co-parent. Like co-parenting is not just relegated to like over oh, divorced or we're separated. Like Bria has days where she's not with the kids, as she should. Like a lot of what I've tried to stress to my parenting friends and and some might disagree with this. I am very much of the mind, if you're healthy, like mentally, spiritually, physically healthy, meaning like you are doing things that, that are aligned with your values, with your purpose, whatever the case might be, that you should be putting yourself first. 
Because when you're doing that, you're allowing your children the opportunity to see a holistic point of view of how you're showing up in the world. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, early on, I used to bring Lila to my shows. Um, You know, it was, she loved being there. And also too, I wanted her to see her father in environments that were not just me being a parent. So like, even when Lila and I are having conversations, and Lila's seven now, we're having conversations about a multitude of things that probably might make some people uncomfortable. But part of that is also recognizing that I value the time that I have with her alone. You know, so like we'll go on daddy daughter dates, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so cute. and like, and, and part of that is because I want her to have a relationship with me that's independent of like her just feeling like I'm a parent. Like, how are we showing up for each other? But then also, there are times like when I go out and like, Bria's with the girls because it's, it's it's my time, right. you know, like, yeah. and that's all we're saying as co-parents. And I think that world needs to and should exist, whether you're together, whether you're separated, whatever the case might be. I love that. Is Lila the daughter that you wrote the book for? Yes. Yes. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Joelle is also an author of two books. One of them called A Book About Things I Will Tell My Daughter. And, you know, I'm, I'm a softie for the daddy-daughter relationship because I didn't have that. My ex- husband, my daughter's father has an amazing relationship with our daughter that like brings me to tears. Cause I'm so grateful for that. And, and we, I think we're starting to see now in this generation that that relationship is so critically important, you know, whereas for my parents' generation, when my parents got divorced, it was like, oh, well, daddy's gone. It's fine. You'll be fine. And now we're all trying to clean up the mess of that mentality, all of us girls with daddy issues. And so it's it's so important that men show up for their daughters. And I I love when I'm able to make that connection with another mom who you know, her pain and anger is taking center stage. And she's so focused on what dad did to ruin the marriage and losing sight of that connection that needs to be established between dad and daughter for long-term success for everybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, and like, I think about the, the, the uh, Buddhist practice of um, non-attachment a lot and which is very different than detachment, right? Like not void of feeling or a practicing avoidance of feelings, but recognizing that I can see a thing for what it is. And I don't have to cling to a certain outcome in order mm-hmm. for the things to feel right, quote unquote, you know, yes. like, cause I don't, you know, and, and so part of that is, you know, I, I, I don't say this and, and this again, might you know, people can take it how they take it, but I would be heartbroken if if Bria and I didn't last, you know, I would also, I would pick up the pieces because I have no choice and, and not because I don't have a choice because I have to live for other people. But, you know, like I'm, I've, I've tried to really root myself and ground myself in the idea that I am a fully functioning human being who thrives in community, but is not dependent on any single one person to be the end all be all for my happiness. And so, you know, we can look it's, at things. Yeah, it's the greatest look, lesson you'll ever learn in life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like we can look yes. at, you know, like we can look at a situation like the wonderful human being Tia Maori. And like Tia is being like, there's so many people who are celebrating the decision you make. Then there's so many other folks who are trying to drag her through the mud for making a decision that I personally know and believe was best for her and best for her children. And not necessarily seeing divorce or separation as a failure. You know, because I think people see the word success and they're like, well, marriage, it's, if it didn't last and it wasn't successful. And I'm like, by whose metric? You know, right, exactly. Then, Thank <laughs> you. You know, by whose metric? And, and so I think that that the way that you frame that, I think, is really important. 
They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, real-life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through conflict, and becoming your best self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. So tell me for you, what is the beautiful hard work of co-parenting? Um, you know, that it's two different people who come from two very different backgrounds um, who have sometimes have similar beliefs and sometimes do not when it comes to raising a child, another whole human being who has their own set of ideas, values, beliefs. Um, you know, I, I think a lot about... Um, child psychologists who, who talk about um, two different parents, right? Like you have a carpenter, you have a gardener, right? And, and, and the carpenter is very much the person that feels like, I'm going to carve this path out for you. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. You see this a lot in like Caribbean households. I think you see mm-hmm. this a lot. And also I think like really strong ethnic households, like yes. whether you're Jewish, Italian, right? It's like, if you're not doing this thing, you're not successful. Right, very um, black and white. Right, you know, and like yeah. a gardener, a gardener, which is what I I, I tend to, to think I am, a gardener is a parent who decides, who who creates a, a space for their child to, to figure this out on their own. Like, I'm creating the space, but I can't dictate where you go, but I'm going to give you the room to figure that out. Um, and not everyone shows up in that way as a parent, you know, because again, we, we're bringing all of our other, can we curse on this? It's cursing. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're bringing all our other shit into the, into the mix. You feel me? So it's like all your trauma, like your daddy issues, your mommy issues, yes. your past relationships, your past regrets, the things that, the things and like part of the reason why I wrote the book was I didn't want, and part of the reason, the big reason why I started writing essays, because I was very much focused on music at the time. But when I found out I was going to be a dad, Music didn't feel like it was giving me the room that I needed to speak through the things I was processing. Yeah. And so I started it's so writing. much deeper than you could ever like Michelle, put into like a, two and yeah, a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? With like a catchy hook and like that, yeah. that wasn't going to do it. <laughs> so I started writing essays. And so part of, for me, the, 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 it was cathartic because I didn't want to pass any of my demons onto my child. And so I felt like I had to put those on paper, you know, like that was my process and my thinking. Um, but you know, not everyone has the access to the tools or the language and show you show up as two new people because parenting changes you, right? I always say like mm-hmm. parenting to me, there are very few things that you can't say, oh, I understand unless you're doing it, right? right. I don't care how many cousins and siblings you raised on your own. How many pets you have. <laughs> yeah, like being a parent and being responsible for a person who's not going to be a child forever, and having to deal with that and also deal with another person in combination with that, that to me was the hard part, you know, like two people showing up from two vastly different worlds and then showing up now even more differently because you're a parent. And what does that yeah. look like when you're trying to raise a human together when you're not connected yes. like, in that way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's what people find out later on though, once they get separated and they get past all the emotion, it's like, oh, we're still parenting together. We just don't have that 
love piece involved, or maybe we do, and it just looks a lot different, but it takes a lot of time and support and, and healing to get to that place where you kind of come full circle where you're like, okay, we're parents and we're on the same journey, just not in the same house or just not, you know, in the same bed, whatever it's going to look like. And, and that to me, I think is like the epiphany of co-parenting. Like there's, I say there's the fuckery of co-parenting, which is, oh, I got to give my kid to this person. I lo- I no longer like trust or love. And I just got to be like, okay, you do you good luck. I'm going to go to bed now. Like, you know, that's the fuckery of co-parenting, but the beauty is when it comes full circle and you're like, yeah, you know what? It's water under the bridge. We love our kid. Let's figure it all out. Yeah. And, and I love that sentiment, Michelle, because I think part of it too is, and again, not to, not to bring up Buddhism again, because I don't want folks. I like love it. Like us, but you know, but like this difference between, um, like pain and suffering, right? Pain is 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 a condition that we're going to have to go through. I don't care how much a person loves you. You're, they're going to hurt you in some way, shape or form. And not intentionally, I think. It, I know what just, you're going to say and I believe in it so much, but yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like yeah. the, the, the the suffering comes from when we cling to, when we mm-hmm. cling to outcomes. Like yeah. if you're like, oh man, I wanted this marriage to work. It did. Let's just say it did for, 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 for argument's sake. What does it look like to move away from this idea of what no longer is and moving into what is present day? Like we are no longer together. And I'm a Capricorn. So like I'm, which sometimes makes people feel uncomfortable, but like my logic brain goes, okay, this thing is done. What, what is the next step? Like I'm working. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out what, how to make this, this puzzle piece work. And I think, you know, we don't choose our pain, but we do choose our Mm, suffering. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a choice. Unless of course you are suffering some, from some sort of chemical disorder that's not allowing you to make that kind of decision. No, I mean, in the sense of heartbreak, like, you know, absolutely. There's a distinction. I think there is a big distinction. And and I, you know, in my practice, I call that being the victim or the victor, you know, and, and you can sit around and say, well, yeah, my life sucks. My husband cheated on me, left me for somebody younger. This is such bullshit. I have to watch somebody else live my life or he left. He made me so unhappy and I can own that. And now I can create my own life and him and his little girl can go do whatever they want because I'm going to, I'm going to become the best version of me. And that's the difference between pain and suffering, victim and victor mindset, all of that. It's, it's a choice. I think it's really a choice. No, you're absolutely correct. And I think, you know, and, 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 uh, and for like a situation like you're, you're talking to really what it boils down to is, um, like someone like we want people who are choosing us, you know, like yeah. you deserve a person who's, who's, who's choosing you, you know, like I choose to show up as a parent every single day. Like there's like, and there are days when I don't have it and that is absolutely okay. It's normal. What happens to the best of us. But I think when we're so focused on the thing that we've lost, we're also losing, we're missing out on an opportunity for, to look and see at the, like, see the things we've actually gained. And I don't even consider that to be like an optimistic point of view. I think I'm very realist and pragmatic yeah. in that way. But I think it's like, you've lost the thing. You've also created space for something newer, something better, something bigger, something bolder, no matter how old you are, you know? Cause I think age also plays a, a, a big factor. And especially of course, if you're a woman, because the way society and media is kind of talked yeah. to, separation and what it looks like for a woman who's quote unquote older, right? Whatever that means. Like it's different. It's like, there's a lot of things that we're having to weigh in that conversation, but 
there's there's so much more to gain from from being able to say I'm choosing myself. If no one else is choosing me, I'm choosing myself in this scenario. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. And I think the lesson that that gives to your children, you know, this whole mindset of divorce or you know living in two separate homes is terrible for the kids. But no one taught me as a kid to choose myself. I I took the example from my mom choosing not to stay with somebody who treated her horribly and. I, I, without that, what would I, what would I have learned? You know, I think that was when I, when it came time for me to get divorced, my whole mindset was my mom did this. She did it so well. She chose herself and I can do that too. You know, it was one of those situations where she could have stayed, but she would have been very unhappy. And so she chose not to. And and I followed that same path. And, and I love that you got that example. Cause you know, I think so many of us, like, this is why I don't really look at, like people will, will will kind of put front and center, like, you know, like my parents were together for 50, 60 years. And yeah. some might say I'm, this might be jaded and I don't think it is. But I, my the, the first question I ask myself, because I don't ask people this because I think it's rude. But the first question I generally ask myself when I hear people stay together that long, like what has the mom had to sacrifice in order to keep this going? Right. Yeah. Like, especially yeah. if we're looking at older couples, because, again, I'm looking at the context of like. We're talking about not being able to have a bank account until what night until like the early 1970s. Like we're talking a very different time. Very different so like time. things even now look different. I think even when we're talking about dating for men and women because women have options. It's like, oh, I can choose not to stay in a thing that I'm unhappy about where I think a lot of folks happiness wasn't a thing that they felt they needed to make a decision about. Right. You know, like you stayed at the job that you hated because you were supposed to do it. You stayed right. married because you're supposed to do it. And no one was giving you the room to ask, well, why? And I think people are asking why, you know? Right, right. And I think, you know, the more we move towards this space where we're open about choosing our happiness and choosing our our pain and suffering, we are going to find a lot more people splitting up. But bringing it full circle, that doesn't necessarily mean the end of the world for your children. It can mean the beginning of a beautiful new one if you do it right. So what if, what are the benefits that you've seen in your own experience from living this shared parenting lifestyle? I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, I feel like I probably would have leaned into this, but I think it's made it more easier for me to have independent relationships with my children that are not centered around both parents, you know, and like having to really figure out how to carve out space. Like that happened from jump. You know, Lila's mother and I were not together while she was pregnant. This wasn't like a thing that happened when Lila was two or three. We made this that, that decision in the first trimester and it was incredibly difficult. Those those three years were some of the most difficult years of my life. But yeah. I can look back on that now and go, you know, Lila's back here in New York. You know, she was in Houston for two years. There was a lot of, there were a lot, like when I gave that talk, it was with knowing that Lila was going to be moving to Houston in a month. And like, I was shattered. Like my... It, there was just so, and then like Wes, my second child was born um, two weeks after Lila left. And so like there was some postpartum. There was a whole lot of other stuff that I had to process. But I think when I look back at it now, co-parenting has allowed, I think even not just for me, but for Lila, there's a, there's a sense of like, there, there are multiple, what I've been telling her, there are more places for you to call home, oh, you know? And, and there, and there are like, you just have an abundance of community who loves you because we've opened up the conversation and opened up community for her by this practice. Right. And so, you know, like it was hard, it was hard for a while saying bye to her when I would go to Houston, but it also created like a longing. And it also, I think deepened 
our our friendship because I do consider my child my friend. I'm very much a parent and uh I don't like the word disciplinarian, but I am a guardian and shepherd. And so like my job is to like create boundaries and protect her. And also like that's my homie. So like we kick it. And so <laughs> I love you that. know, so like that this has allowed me uh, a a better, deeper understanding. And I think if I'm being honest, for her mom, it's also created something different and unique because it's given her a real chance to like miss Lila in a way that she hasn't had to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I think, look at different parts of their relationship that weren't really getting explored because she was the physical custodian. Even though I was taking care of Lila, like, very much so, she was staying with her. And so we're in a world where that's not the case. And so, you know, I've had to make room for her because there's also this notion that, oh, you're the mom, your child is supposed to be with you. And, you know, and what I want us to be able to do is really have healthier conversations, healthy, right? And not just like money conversations, because the money doesn't fix everything. But where's a child thriving? Where does a child feel safest, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, 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 and us having a, a, a really heart to heart conversation about what that looks like. But yeah. for me, it's been, it's, been a, it's been such a learning experience, which I think is probably what I've valued most from all of it. I think what you said at the beginning of this piece was the independent relationship. Like I, I always say I'm 150% parenting 50% of the time. That intentionality, that knowing that I only have this period of time, or I only have this weekend before she goes back to her dad's or these two days or these three nights, it has made that time that I have with my daughter so much more intentional. And I, I you know, not that non-divorced people are taking their kids for granted, but I definitely don't take her for granted in a way that I don't see in married dynamics because your kids are always around, right? And our independent relationship free of another person in the house taking attention or whatever it is, that for me, I I, I couldn't be more grateful for it. Yeah, and, and, it's, it, it's, and to your point, I, I think, you know, it's like when people say, um, you know, live every day like it's your last, which is impossible. It, and, and not to say that we shouldn't try or attempt to do it. But even if you are the parent who's like, I'm smothering my children or like there is something about not being with your child that shifts how we show up for them. And mm-hmm. it's different. And I think it does highlight some things. It's like anything that you're away from. You know, and I think we we tend to like convolute these conversations because it's like, well, I don't do that. And it's like, well you can be an exceptional parent and at the same time recognize like if I take a vacation from my job and I use vacation loosely because I don't think this is necessarily a vacation from parenting, but if I'm away from my job for a week or a weekend or whatever, like you come in with a different mindset and frame you of do. mind. Like it's no, it's not any different per se in that regard. And so it it does, it, it shifts something in you. So like, there's definitely more of a value. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm very much aware of, I think, in a ways that I probably wasn't before. Yeah, the self-awareness is huge. And I, I'm i grateful for it because I needed it in so many ways. And, you know, it's all a journey and I trust it. And I believe like the process I've been put through was necessary to get me to the place that I'm at. And I'm sure you feel the same way. You seem very spiritual. Um, but what, I think this is a good place to end. What do you wish more dads knew co-parenting dads knew about the process? Really a good question. Um, 
that your love and support of your child is independent of your love for or lack of love for the person that you're parenting with. Lala's, there was a point in time where Lala's mom hated me and I'm pretty sure I hated her. Like, like we said things <laughs> that to only, each other. That only comes after like passion gone wrong. So I get yeah, it. Yeah, you know, like we just, it just was not working at all. And, but like the, the, the North Star has always been Lila. There was nothing I would not do for that child. And so right. I can get over the hardships. I can get over the arguments. I can get over like all the things that we're struggling, that we were struggling with because it's like, like I'm, this is what the focus is. And so often where we cannot remove ourselves from like, you mentioned this earlier, Michelle, like, you know, they left me for this attractive woman or she left me for the dude that had a better job or whatever, whatever. And it's like, that's, I don't give a fuck. Like that has nothing to do with how I'm parenting this person who mm-hmm. A didn't ask to be here and B does not really care, especially if, like depending on how old they are, who care less about the money or the trips. They just want to spend time with the person that they've they've known to be their guardian. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. And so like I want I think for a lot of for a lot of the men who are hopefully listening, it's like all the other stuff is inconsequential. And I get how difficult it can be. I can I can get how even like and for mothers too who might be going through this who are similar issue where it's like the 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 priority is the child. And I know sometimes people say it but they don't actually believe it or they're not owning it. They don't it. practice what they preach. Right. No, because like you, you do things like you do spiteful things or you like, you'll say things around the child that has nothing that the child does not need to know. Like bad mouthing, like, like, you know, you can't be bad mouthing a parent. I, Cause like, again, the child, this has nothing to do with the child, your, your issues, your trauma, your problems that, that, that gets to, that gets put on the back burner. You can process that shit in therapy. Yes, you or, can. Like, you and know, you should. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. But, the, the primary concern is the child always. Yes, always. Well, I love that your love for your child can be independent from your relationship with their other parent. That's probably the most poignant quote on co-parenting there is, but I'm not surprised that you figured it out because you <laughs> just have a way with words, Joelle. You, you are Michelle. a beautiful you. human. Your children are so lucky to have you. And I'm so Thank grateful you. for the contributions you. you've made to this space. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Cool. I am on Instagram. Um, I am Joel, J-O-E-L, Leon. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Unfortunately, not the same handle, but um, Joel, a.k.a. M-A-G. All that stuff is in my, like, if you go to my Instagram. I'm going to link it all, so don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the books are there. The music is there. All the other stuff, like the stuff, shows I've done, all that's it's um in the Instagram bio link, so. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you, and I'm so excited to see what you bring to this world next. For everybody listening, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms, and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my Moving On Method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. 
I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.